welcome to the one in one podcast where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete or in today's case athletes i'm your host bridget bay my guests today are married couple stephanie and tony meyer stephanie played basketball at the university of wisconsin milwaukee from 2007 to 2011. tony also played basketball at milwaukee from 2008 to 2012 and then played professionally overseas in Europe for eight seasons. They're the real-life love and basketball couple. Stephanie and Tony, welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having us. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Of course. Now, big question. Have you guys watched the movie Love and Basketball together? Yes. (laughs) Have we together? We definitely have. I'm sure we have. I've seen it more since I've been with you than I did before. I was going to say, I swear, I, I probably have seen that movie in the triple digits amount of times. Like it is ridiculous. (laughs) And it's one of those movies where if it's on, you're just, you know, you're leaving it on that channel and you're watching it till it's over. Exactly. (laughs) That's how I watch it these days when she puts it on and I'm, yeah, just happen to be, be sitting there watching also. The soundtrack is amazing. Yes. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. That's, that's like triggering. If you hear any of those songs now. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, I know, I know. I my brother had when the CDs were a thing, he had the soundtrack and I legit stole it from him. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this one and he won't find out that, but now everything's on online these days. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, Stephanie even has the logo tattooed on her ankle. Yeah, yeah, I can't deny that. That was my first <laughs> tattoo. I literally brought in the DVD into the tattoo shop and asked the artist to draw the part <laughs> with the basketball lines for me. And that's my tattoo. <laughs> I love that. What a great idea for a tattoo. <laughs> I know. Is that your only tattoo or do you have more? I have another one. I have another one, a uh, letter, the two letter S's on my foot. My cousin Sammy and I, like basically like my sister, um, we are always, you know, thought we were super cool having Sammy and Steph and Steph and Sammy <laughs> and all that stuff. So we both have these like interlocking letter S's on our feet. And then, yeah, I have the Love and Basketball logo on my other ankle. So I love that's- it. <laughs> now, is Sam the one that also has a podcast? Yes, she does. Yes. <laughs> okay, very cool. That's been pretty successful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, she's amazing. She's a, a complete stud. She actually just started, not just started. She's been a registered dietitian for years now, but she just took her private practice, um, solo and turned it virtual. And she is just killing it in all things, podcast and TikTok, and her clients all love her. She's amazing. So yeah, shout out to, um, mm-hmm. what is her pod? What the actual fork is her podcast <laughs> and, uh, fine food freedom is her business. So if anyone's out there looking for, um, a dietitian, give her a call. <laughs> I'm going to have to connect with her. I need to shed some of this quarantine weight. Yeah, there you go. Your maiden name is Shell, and I've had your brother Derek on the podcast. He's so impressive. You must be so proud of him. I am very proud of him. Very, like I can't even put into words how proud of him I am. But yes, Derek is the one who um, everything he's been through, and now his like willingness to just get on things like this and talk to people and put his story out there and everything like that is so inspiring and makes me keeps me feeling connected to. Um, the basketball world and um, just wanting to keep, especially during this pandemic and everything, keep like personal connections alive via things like this podcast and social media and all of that. So yes, um, Derek's amazing. He's done a lot of his, yeah, like 
vlogging and stuff like that. That's been awesome. And yeah, just hearing his story and all that stuff. How he's kind of grown as a person and stuff. It's yeah. Absolutely. He's awesome. For sure. <laughs> now let's start at the beginning for you guys. Tony, you grew up in Wildwood, Missouri. Any siblings for you? Yeah, I have an older brother and a younger sister, so I'm middle child, one of three. Yeah, my, my older brother, he now lives with his, uh, with his husband out in Rhode Island. Uh, my younger sister, she's still here in St. Louis, and she's a teacher, but uh, just recently decided to change, change career paths. Um, so she won't be doing that anymore. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is where I grew up. Um, we're back here now, uh, living here, bought a house in this pretty much similar area to where I grew up. Um, very familiar with the area. And yeah, I mean, I don't know what, <laughs> what else. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Yeah. Who says you can't go home again, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Over a decade later and we're back. Yeah. <laughs> it's been kind of, yeah, weird. I was, uh, I was just telling her I I was just getting my COVID vaccine in the same auditorium where I graduated from high school. Oh wow! <laughs> a very like strange, uh, yeah. And he hasn't been full in that circle. building. I haven't been in that building since, since that. that. Yeah. Since, <laughs> you know, That's yeah, awesome. Just, uh, Is the cool. school smaller than it appeared to be when you went there? Oh, it always is, except for the parts they add on now. There's like you know, well, the, since I haven't been back in so many years, like. There's whole other wings that weren't there when, you know, when I was at school there and stuff like that. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it might be bigger for you. Yeah, it is. I, cool. went, I went back to my high school just to, my cousin's kid was playing in a baseball game, and I just had to show a couple of the parents where a bathroom was in the school. And walking around, I was like, wow, I used to think this place was huge. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, time, yeah. <laughs> time changes everything in your head, right? Memories. Oh, it really does. Oh, differently. Yeah. And the lockers, you know, they seemed like way higher when you you were shorter and everything <laughs> like that. You come back in there, you just, yeah, you feel like a giant sometimes. <laughs> well, we'll oh, get into it, Tony, but yeah. you had a growth spurt in high school. So for you, it yeah. probably yeah. felt small. It probably felt really high at one point, And then by the next year, you were like towering over it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was usually the summer when I hit my growth words, too. So I'd come back the next year, and it'd be all totally different place. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did you get into basketball? Um, uh, honestly, just my dad. My dad uh, had us start in almost every sport, pretty much, from as young as I can remember. Uh, he actually played basketball himself in college uh, at a D2 school in St. Louis. He grew up in St. Louis also. And, uh, yeah, he just got us into all sports when we were younger. And because he was a basketball player, he obviously, you know, took a liking to that. And he, he wanted to coach us in that growing up. So, yeah, we were just always around it, always playing some sort of sports. And basketball just seemed to stand out in our family. Uh, obviously had an older brother to play with and, you know, beat me up and <laughs> – uh, make me better all those years. Didn't realize it at the time, but you know, that's what was going on. Um, but yeah, I've just been playing since ever, uh, ever since I can remember and yeah, haven't looked back really. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. 
So you guys both grew up in basketball families because, Steph, you grew up in New Berlin, Wisconsin, in a family full of basketball players. Derek played D2 basketball, and your parents met playing college basketball. Yeah, there was no option uh, <laughs> like basketball in my family. Yeah, we, we were the definition of a basketball family. And, and besides my parents playing and meeting in college playing and then my brother playing, like we grew up, Derek and I literally grew up in a gym because both my parents also coached like for as long as I can remember, you know, at one point my dad was coaching high school boys. And so after school, whenever we'd get picked up from school or after school program, we would spend the night in the gym while he was coaching. And like all of my mom coached high school for a while and to all of her players, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old girls, those were our babysitters, me and Derek's babysitters growing up. So like there, there was not a day. I don't remember ever a Friday night in my life that we were not at a basketball game, a high school basketball game in the gym. And in Wisconsin too, I mean, in New Berlin and in all of Wisconsin, high school basketball was a pretty big deal. I think it still is. And uh, so it was, I mean, that was just the activity. That was what we did um, all the time, my whole childhood. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, you know, the surrounding states of Illinois and Indiana have, you know, a lot of notoriety for basketball, but Wisconsin's got great basketball as well. You're right. It definitely does. Yeah, we've had some some big names come out and just the I still think I look back at childhood and think of high school basketball and just the, you know, camaraderie and the the school spirit and the rivalries. And then then once you move on from that phase, you know, the friendships I have looking back as my best friends in life, my bridesmaids in my wedding, like they also played high school basketball. They weren't even at my high school, but just the what it was about and how we all enjoyed being around it. It it was, it seemed like a big deal at the time. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. I hyped it up in my head, but it was, uh, it was pretty big for us. Yeah. That's awesome that you kept those friendships because at the end of the day, that's what's most important, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I can't replace that. (laughs) Absolutely not. Now, did you play anything else besides basketball or did your parents not allow it? No, they actually, it was actually the opposite. I wouldn't have been surprised. No, it was the opposite. Um, I, it was, we, it wasn't like a requirement, but like that we played other sports, but my parents were big into us having something to do after school. It wasn't an option just to come home and do nothing. So if we weren't, um, you know, we, we had to do pick something extracurricular. And for both Derek and I, it ended up being sports. So I did play three sports all four years of high school. Um, my other ones uh, were volleyball. So I had volleyball in the fall, basketball all winter, and then I did track and field in the spring. Nice. You were a pretty good volleyball player. I believe you were all Metro first team. I, by, by, by the time I was a senior, I had finally got the hang of it. That was with my, <laughs> my senior year, I guess. But I, I didn't even start picking up volleyball like competitively or try, I guess like trying really hard at it until like I was a freshman maybe. So whereas I had been playing basketball since I was five years old, I didn't really start so but I will say I loved it I loved volleyball so much those were some fun memories um and yeah by the time I was a senior it clicked a little bit (laughs) (laughs) nice now you guys both end up playing division one basketball so I assume that means you guys were both playing AAU can you guys talk about your separate experiences yeah very different different. yeah I'll I'll go into mine but just starting but to answer for both of us like Tony didn't Play, yeah, I didn't. Which is I, I played maybe half a season of AAU and oh, like, wow. I, 
really think he's the only college basketball player I know who didn't play AAU. Yeah. And so I like, tell all my teammates all throughout my career, they're just like in shock that like I never really played AAU, stuff like that. Which I personally think makes his story and how he got to play college basketball a little more um, res- <laughs> respectable and inspiring. I don't know. It's just a totally different path. I wouldn't um, say that. It was. Different I, path, it yeah. was a different path. <laughs> it was harder, you know, but Maybe. you made it work. But anyways, yeah, yeah I, I played AAU, I, again, my whole, as long as I can remember when, once you could start playing competitive tournaments, like all year round, um, probably, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Um, and I loved AAU. Like, honestly, if I look back at all my different forms of basketball, like I think my AAU memories were probably my most vivid, my strongest memories, my best games, the most, I don't know, all everything. All the bridesmaids you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. All the bridesmaids I talked about, they were all like my AAU teammates. So, yeah, I have good good AAU memories. It's <laughs> awesome. It's good that you liked it, too, because, you know, AAU is every weekend in the summer. You're in a new place playing tournaments, probably missing some fun things back at home. So really good that you liked it. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you could do that if you didn't like it. It would feel mm. awful because, yeah, you do miss everything back home. And that's probably why I got so close to those girls that I didn't even go to high school with, just because we were we were spending every day, every weekend together all summer long. Mm-hmm. But, uh, what about yours, Tony? <laughs> um, well, how I can relate to that actually is what I did play most of as in like a club level. I played club volleyball for two years um, in high school. So like that's kind of my experience with like the select level stuff. But like I said, yeah, AU basketball I played once I started. Uh, once I started really wanting to play in college, my dad like tried to get me into it one summer, but just didn't work out where, you know, I was going to be able to get on one of the bigger teams. There were only two clubs at the time that were really respectable and traveling a lot. Um, so yeah, I just focused on, uh, I actually, my dad had a relationship with a D three coach in the area and he spent a lot of time with me in the summers training me and stuff like that. And that's how I got to at least be respectable enough of a player to play at that level. And then it was just a matter of me get my name out there to colleges and stuff like that about high school stuff and whatnot. And that's kind of how I got, was able to, you know, get recruited and things like that. It wasn't, it wasn't until late in my senior year that I, I went through the recruiting process really heavily though. That I would say a lot to Mm -hmm. not playing AU. Yeah. That's very different for both of us. Whereas like he didn't even, you know, no colleges, like it came to his games until the end of his senior year. Whereas like I committed to Milwaukee like before my senior season even started, I think I got my offer like at the end of my junior year. And then I committed in the fall before my senior year. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we had very different paths in terms of AAU and recruiting and getting to Milwaukee, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. And that's amazing, Tony, that you end up at a division one school playing barely any AAU. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I didn't even play too much in high school. Honestly, I was a sixth man my junior year. It wasn't until my senior year that I really was like, like I said, a legit player. And I had grown three inches over that summer, too. So I was finally the the right size. And um, it's actually one of my assistant coaches in high school. He had the year or a couple of years prior before he came back to teaching and coaching high school basketball. He had been selling. Uh, what is it like? What? Uh, I don't know what you're talking the about. Soft, the, he, he was selling the software that like breaks down film and stuff for college coaches. 
And so he had a lot of connections with college coaches and he was able to get my name out to guys that he had known and stuff like that. And that's a lot of how I did my own kind of recruiting through, yeah, word of mouth and just people I knew and the relationships that I had. That's awesome. Yeah, you went to Lafayette High School. That three inches definitely helped you out. You're right. And it doesn't seem like much, but in basketball, it, it can be make or break. Definitely. Yeah, it can be make or break. Um, yeah, going from not even be able to touch the rim my junior year to, yeah, growing enough to where, you know, uh, could really make a difference out there. And being being that small, I know you hear uh, a lot of stories like this, but Obviously, I was able to develop a lot of guard skills growing up, being shorter, um, you know, not getting my height until later in, in my high school career. So I think that helped my game a lot, obviously, in my development and, you know, being able to do a lot of the the things that a uh, stretch four needed to do in the, the new style of basketball that, that was coming up. Oh, yeah. The stretch four position is honestly the most important position in basketball these days. And you're a good shooter, too. Yeah, I mean, well, that's like I said, growing up, that's what I did. I shot the ball and, you know, I got had to be able to play on the perimeter as well as, you know, a little bit down low just because, you know, even though I wasn't six, eight, I was still, you know, not the shortest guy out there either, obviously. Mm hmm. And you also played volleyball. And I think I misspoke before. Tony was actually the all-metro first-team volleyball player. I didn't know if that was a thing for you or not. I wasn't going to call it I out. I thought but... maybe just – I was like honorable mention all-conference. I was okay. like, oh, maybe it was the same. Maybe it's the same thing. But, no, I was not as good as him. He, he <laughs> talked about this so many times. People who really know him will say that he probably should have gone to play college volleyball before basketball. That's yeah. definitely what he was more known for in high school. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so that must mean there was college interest for volleyball. There, Yeah, there was. I get a lot of crap from uh, my, fr- my high school friends because I had interest from teams even like Stanford, things like that. And the fact that I chose to go to Milwaukee to play basketball. Some of my friends still give me crap for that. You could have gone to Stanford. You could have been out in Cali for four years and had a Stanford degree and all that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just loved basketball. Like the, I, I was, I mean, I just had a knack. I was natural at volleyball. It was something that, you know, came natural to me. And yeah, I, I had a great career in high school, but in the end, I just, I loved working at basketball, and if I was going to do it moving forward, you know, I I had to love the work that I knew I was going to have to put in, and that's kind of what it came down to for me, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you should always go with what you like to play more. And okay, you didn't go to Stanford, but then if you went to Stanford, you wouldn't have met Stephanie, and you wouldn't have had the two beautiful children you have today. We talk about that a lot, too, for sure. It's definitely a lot of things have to line up for for this to all happen and yeah who knows what would happen if i would have went out to california it could have been a scary thought at the same time so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i'm definitely definitely have no regrets with how it ended up um, how the stars aligned absolutely and stephanie at eisenhower high school a little bit of a different experience for you on the basketball court because you were a four-year starter yeah, definitely. We we always compare our stories because I'm I'm like jealous of his story a little bit, you know, where he had his growth spurt later on and he, you know, wanted to work really hard later on in his career. Like he his his career only 
continued to grow from like senior year on. Whereas me, like I, I, that I'm the definition of like peaking in high school. Like <laughs> I, I, I was, I just had, like I said, it all comes down to like childhood. Like I was raised in a gym. So I was very talented early on compared to other kids my age. And I think it's very difficult. Like I don't blame my parents for it at all, but it's hard to keep someone motivated when they've just always been the best at it. So like when as little kids and everything like that. So high school for me was awesome. I loved high school basketball. Yes, we were successful. I had played with the same girls too. Like I owe that to my dad who was our coach the whole time, but I played with the same group of girls New Berlin Eisenhower youth basketball. So like we had all signed up in fifth grade to be going to the same high school to play basketball together. So from fifth grade on to our senior year, it was the same core group of girls, which really helped us by the time we were seniors, it was such a well-oiled machine. Um, And yeah, we, we were, we were good. I mean, we never made it to state. Unfortunately, my last game in high school is still heartbreaking to think about in the game to go to state to state championships. But, um, it still was, yeah, high school was fun and basketball was a huge part of it. For sure. And, you know, I disagree. I, I feel like someone that peaks in high school doesn't play Division One basketball. I peaked in high school. I didn't play past high school. That's what I tried to, that's what I tried and tell her. Exactly. I guess. It was just very different when I compare my high school career and my college career. It was very different. Yeah, I, I understand that. But, I mean, Division One is such a competitive level. Everyone at that level, you know, was a great high school player. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't always translate to you being the star in college. But we'll get into your career at Milwaukee. It was a really – you were a really important player. Thank you. Yeah. Of course. But, you know, getting back to that high school career, you're actually in your high school Hall of Fame. And at one point, maybe you still do, hold the record for career assists and three-pointers. <laughs> I, I can't speak on the records. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they've been broken because I know my uh, my high school girls basketball program has been to the state championship and won state championships multiple times since I've left. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of those girls that won state championships beat, beat any of those records. But yes, the Hall of Fame thing was pretty cool. Um, I don't know if, the, I don't know what the protocol is if every high school does it this way but ours like it was I think I found out sometime I was in college I didn't have to wait very long before they like did the hall of fame uh, inductions and all of that um but yeah I think it it was I think attributed to the fact that I did play three sports um and there weren't that many I'm not trying to like diminish it but like there weren't that many females who played three sports in my high who played three sports in my high school and had pretty good careers at them, I guess. So, um, but yeah, no, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. And you probably would have gotten to that hall of fame even quicker if you were first team all Metro in volleyball. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very true. (laughs) Now, can you both talk about why you chose Wisconsin, Milwaukee? Yeah, sure. You want me to go first? I can go. Go ahead. You go first. Well, um, a lot, like uh, we were talking about with my high school career, I did a lot of, like, self-recruiting my senior year of high school. And I think it was, uh, yeah, my assistant coach in high school had a really good relationship, one of the assistants at UW-Milwaukee. And he was the first one to contact me from there. came down, watched the practice, 
Um, and I just built a really good relationship with him from day one, the assistant coach. Um, still talk to him to this day from time to time. But, uh, yeah, uh, built a good relationship with him. Was, was uh, considering other schools at the time, too. One weekend uh, out of the year, my dad uh, got us, packed us in the car. The whole family actually ended up going, and we drove to three different schools to visit them um, so I could kind of see what they're all about and stuff like that. Uh, got to Milwaukee. Uh, Chad Boudreaux is the assistant coach that I'm talking about. Um, he he took us around the whole weekend. Uh, we got to watch a game, got to meet head coach, all that stuff, see where I'd be living. Uh, Milwaukee just struck me as a similar place to St. Louis. I, I felt comfortable there. Um, and yeah, uh, after that trip, I visit, like I said, I visited a couple other schools, came back and just felt right. I, I had that good relationship with, with Boudreaux and, um, yeah, just committed probably a week after we visited there and, and that was it. The rest is history, I guess. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And mine was obviously a little different too, because I, um, I grew, also grew up, again, with my parents being so into sports and my parents trying to do everything they could to give us opportunities for seeing sports and all that. I grew up going to the UW-Milwaukee men's and women's basketball games. Like my, bro- Derek, my brother Derek and I, we were like the little ball kids that get to sit under the hoop when we were like little and like <laughs> and all that stuff at both the men's and the women's games. Um, I... as I don't even know what year I started, but I went to the women's programs like summer camps, their summer basketball camps every summer, um, probably from like sixth grade on. So like, and the head coach, my head coach, Sandy Botham, she, um, she was the coach that whole time. So I kind of almost grew up like idolizing her and also idolizing those players prior to me. I kind of had put Milwaukee like UW Milwaukee women's basketball, like up on this pedestal where like, that was my goal. Cause I just grew up from as from a young kid, like seeing them. Um, and I also had some interest from the other schools during the recruiting process. But the second that like, I had it in my head that they were interested in me, I pretty much put blinders on to everybody else. Like when Sandy Botham offered me my scholarship, um, yeah, there was like hardly any chance any other, t- any other school was going to come into my mind at that point, which is probably why I committed so early. Um, it was, it felt very meant to be, um, from day one for that. I bet your parents loved that too, because they could easily make it to every home game. A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, yeah. They were there all the time. There's, you know, and I, well, my dad's smarter than he looks sometimes because there's gotta be a reason he was pushing uh, us going to Milwaukee women's basketball games when I was like seven years old. Like he did not want to <laughs> going. Yeah. The whole time. Going <laughs> far from home. Love it. How far is it for you, Tony from St. Louis? Uh, it's about a six hour drive. Um, Ooh, done, okay. Done it plenty of times over the years. So many times. Yeah. The like, I can count for it's, sure. it's a cakewalk for us now because we've done it so much, yeah. but yeah, it's six straight hours through the whole state of Illinois and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A bit tougher for your parents to get to the games. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I didn't have them at too many of my games. They, they definitely came to visit as much as they could and made weekends and stuff like that out of it. Um, so it was good. And, I would always be back for holidays and summer months and stuff like that. But Milwaukee, you know, became my 
my new home kind of, yeah, throughout college, especially being there in the summers a lot for basketball. Yeah, absolutely. How did you like the Wisconsin cheese? I <laughs> love the Wisconsin cheese. Not as much of a fan of the cheese heads. I can't get on board with the Packers still. He's such and a she, hater still. I'm like, really oh, about that, but I don't know. Just uh, something about it. Uh, can't Are get you a cheese fan? Um, kind of now. I don't know. I'm I'm up in the air. I'm I'm still bitter the the Rams left and I don't have a team oh. because. Oh, oh yeah, that's got to be hard if you rooted for them and then they left. Yeah, exactly. I did. You know, and I uh, love the yeah. Love. I'm a big NFL fan, so um, now that we don't have a team here in St. Louis, it feels weird. So yeah, I've kind of started watching the Chiefs just because they're you know they're obviously so good that it's fun to watch. But I don't know if I really even have a team. But it you, can't be the Packers. I'm you sorry. You should have seen him when we were in we were in college the year the Packers won the last Super Bowl in 2010. So Tony was in Milwaukee, surrounded by Packers fans when when they won, and he. It was so mad. He just like <laughs> just hates Packer fans. I'm like, come on, man. Oh man, That's rough. <laughs> and you married into a Packer family. Oh, no, big it's time. crazy. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah, I've seen photos. You guys go to a lot of games. We do. Yeah. That was also a family tradition growing <laughs> up. Yep. I went to those games too. Later on, with wearing my Rams jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. No. How did you two meet at Milwaukee? Because, Steph, you got there a year ahead of Tony, right? Yes, yes. I'm a year older. I graduated a year before. So, yeah, I was already there. Um, and Milwaukee, too, it's a big school in terms of number like number of students. But because it's a commuter campus, not you know, not all students live there, it's, um, it seemed a lot smaller yeah. in that, like, all the athletes, everyone knew each other, everyone hung out together, because there weren't that many students, like, living on campus, especially in the off-seasons and everything. So, um, and as, as basketball players, you're usually required to show up on campus early and in the summer to get summer workouts in. So, we first met, like, right when Tony moved up there. Yeah, summer um, before my freshman year. Yeah, because my roommate, another basketball player, and I, we were living in the dorms in the summer also, and Tony and his roommate ended up living in the dorm right below us like one floor below us and we just all started hanging out but um it was oh gosh it was like year a couple years into college before we became anything more than friends i mean i I don't even know if we have a story about like the first time we met or like first time you (laughs) laid eyes on her like it it wasn't like that at all sense of love and basketball but no we i mean we just yeah it's like she said we started out as friends we just knew each other like we always us basketball men's basketball team hung out frequently with the women's basketball team and yeah we always had a good time we're close friends and just grew closer over the years and eventually it yeah just kind of evolved into something else yeah Yeah. nice so it sounds like that cliche saying where the best relationships start as friendships is true in your case 100 percent. i definitely say that yeah i mean i think i said that in my brother's uh best man speech i gave for his wedding like that's best advice i can give is marry your best friend and yeah i think i can say that yeah 
we did that. We definitely did that. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was weird too for a while. It was almost like we were like fighting it, like for we were you know we were young <laughs> and stupid, and we were like coming up with all the reasons why we like. Well, we wanted. Well, I particularly wanted to keep acting young and stupid. Right. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> like, it was more of the hang up than anything. Yeah, trying to say, oh, it's not the right time, honest. and we want to focus on our own lives and blah blah blah. But like we were each other's best friend too. So every anything that came up, we always ended up going to each other for and being there for each other for it and so that by that time we were near the end of college we was like okay now i can't live without you (laughs) very cute yeah so once you guys do start dating i mean i know you said it's towards the end of college but still division one athletics is happening academics is still happening very demanding schedule so how how did that work how do you guys even see each other yeah, you're so so spot on with that. It yeah. was hard. I think we officially started dating like my whole senior it helped year. That she uh, lived right across from the gym. Her senior year. Yeah, my yeah, <laughs> my whole senior year we were dating. That was like our first year dating, and I think because we were both in the same circumstance, it wasn't like it was one sided. So there was no like hard feelings or anything. We just knew that's how it was. So, um, I mean, we relied a lot on, I mean, back, we didn't even have what we didn't even have iPhones or smartphones back then. We literally had little, those little like flip phones with the T9 texting and all that. So like (laughs) we texted a lot. Um, and then any, you know, we kind of moments in between class sometimes just like hanging out, like catching up in the union or something like that. A lot that. of sitting like, in the locker rooms, just like hanging out, waiting, like waiting yeah. for ice baths in the training room, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. um, yeah, it was just, I think it was a mutual understanding, especially early on that yeah. that's why we were there and that was priority. And any minute we weren't at the gym or at class, we were together literally every minute. Yeah. So, yeah. and I guess it kind of, it helps that you both were going through it, right? If you guys were dating just, normal students at Milwaukee, they probably wouldn't understand. Like, oh, why can't you hang out with me? Where obviously you guys know why you can't hang out at this certain time. Exactly, yeah. I feel like I've gotten And we some, know that we might want to hang out, like, right, yeah, at some random time, too. Like, I've gotten just, some flack from people because it sounds bad when I say this, but, like, I don't think I could have ever dated someone who was not a college athlete. <laughs> because it's... And it's not about, like, that I, oh, I find that attractive. It's just understanding the lifestyle. Like, you, I don't know like you said, dating a regular student, like it's so hard for most people to understand all the, the time and energy yeah. and even the mental focus, everything that goes into yeah. it. We didn't even go, we were talking about this the other day. We didn't even go on dates when we first started dating. We never really went on a date. Nope. We just hung out in each other's apartment or something like that. Yeah. Like our house, you know, like, because, you know, even if we did have time, we were too tired or, you know, needed to rest up for the game the next day or something, whatever. I don't know, Tony. It sounds like an excuse. Were you just too che- cheap to take her on a date? Ah, uh, that could have played into it a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was a college student. I didn't have any money. What can I say? <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. All right. All right. You're off the hook. The money I did have was going to beer. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm sure your coaches will love to hear that. <laughs> they knew. He wasn't, he wasn't fly with it. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. You guys both have great careers at Milwaukee, which is in the Horizon League Conference. Butler was famously in that conference before they were in the Big East. And on the girls' side, Green Bay has like been a dominant factor in that in that conference for years. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Those are those were definitely I mean you nailed it on the head. Butler men and Green Bay women. That was I guess the 
you know, what is it called? The thorn in our side, both of us yeah. for our entire college say, careers. Don't, don't remind me about Butler. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. You would get into that game. Yeah. That was, that was the heart of my career. The year they went back to back, uh, national oh, champion. Yeah. Rough, so, rough. Yeah. So yeah. Tony, let, let's talk a bit about your career first then, because your freshman year, you played right away. I think you even started 30 games as a freshman. I did, yeah. yeah. Wow. So that was definitely an adjustment. Um, yeah, coming to the college game, getting thrown into it right away. I think it was more, uh, you know, a happening of circumstance than, you know, me being a dominant player at the time or anything like that, but definitely helped me grow as a player. Um, you know, the team needed to stretch for, like we, we were talking about. It was, it was a part of the game at the time, and um, no one, you know, that was kind of my role. And so I stepped into it and, yeah, learned a lot my freshman year. Probably fouled out of over <laughs> maybe half the games just uh, <laughs> trying to figure out how to play defense against these guys that seemed so much bigger and stronger than me at the time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just hit the ground running, and it definitely helped me out later in my career. Yeah, for sure. And actually, so he hit the ground running. Your first ever college game, you get a double-double. What a welcome-to-college moment. I forgot about that, but that is true, yeah. Um, that was, yeah, I don't even know. That's not something that commonly happened in my career, even, honestly. So that was kind of a, a wild circumstance that that, that, that happened. But, uh, yeah, a uh, very cool thing. I remember it was against UC Davis, actually, in a like preseason tournament. Uh, but, uh yeah, somebody told me that after the game. I, uh, I grew up, my dad would refuse to let us look at the stat sheet ever growing up. But it didn't matter what our stats were, and he just looked at the final score. So I, I never know, or at that time especially, never knew what my stats were or anything. And somebody told me that at the end of the game, I remember, and just thinking like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> I just I did that in my first ever game. Was was kind of shocked of myself, but uh yeah, definitely, like you said, definitely a nice way to start off my career. Absolutely. Your sophomore year, though, in 2010, a bit hampered with an ankle injury. I think it you got hurt twice. Was it the same ankle and kind of same injury? Yeah, same ankle. Um, one, one of the worst, definitely the worst ankle sprain I've ever had was the second time I, I had injured it. Probably came back from the first one too soon causing that but um yeah that was a, a season at least that i would you know wouldn't mind forgetting but uh definitely learned a lot from that year too obviously um still also still have uh lingering lingering, <laughs> lingering he has, like, zero issues from that 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 ankle world's injury, worst but. ankles by far <laughs> he has like zero ligaments so i don't even know how his foot is attached to his leg <laughs> Nothing uh, there. Pretty sure at one point they told me like you could use surgery, but it probably like hurt your mobility. So just get it when you're older. Like you're, you'll know when you need it. Like I'm, I'm, I don't know if my ankle is just going to stop working at some point or what. But um, no, it was like I said, it was a learning experience. Definitely dealing with that and um, still dealing with it to this day. But uh, yeah. yeah, honestly, a bad sprained ankle is worse than a broken ankle. Yeah. And yeah, it was a high ankle sprain too, is like what it's called. And just, yeah, they say it's almost better sometimes to have a small broken foot or something like that than coming back from a high ankle sprain. So just definitely 
took its toll, but um, obviously I was able to overcome it and could go on to have a pretty long and successful and pretty decently healthy knock on wood uh, career. Yeah, absolutely. Junior year in 2011, great year for Milwaukee. You guys win the conference championship. Unfortunately, you end up losing the conference tournament championship to Butler, who, as you mentioned before, goes on to play in the national title game. I believe that was for the second time, right? They played in 2010 and 2011? Yeah, yeah, that was their second time we getting there was that year. Um, and we had beaten them twice in the regular season uh, in conference that year, too, so that, that hurt a little more. We, uh, yeah, we kind of had their number, but they definitely got us in that, that championship game. But that was definitely the highlight of my college career, I would say, was winning regular season conference championship, getting a, getting a ring for that. And we won it on the, on the last game of the year, and it was an overtime game that we had to win to, to oh, wow. win. Oh, wow. Was, yeah, it was a very exciting game, and um, I remember yeah coming into the locker room and just going crazy with all the guys and stuff like that. It was an away game, so yeah, and then we flew back to Milwaukee and just yeah enjoyed <laughs> enjoyed fun time. Yeah. <laughs> Reading between the lines on that one. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, we kind of trailed off there. Didn't we go fully down that road, but it was yeah we definitely celebrated. Yeah. <laughs> Now, going through that experience, I have to ask, are you a proponent of the conference tournaments, or do you think the winner of the conference regular season should advance to the NCAA tournament for mid-majors? Oh, or for anyone, actually, any any uh, any conference. Yeah, I don't know. I've never really been asked that question. I've never even thought too much about it. Um, that's an interesting yeah, take on it, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of... I like. I've always liked how things are, kind of usually, but in this case, I think it's. I think it's good, especially for the for the smaller conferences to have the conference tournament because it's not always indicative of who the best team. Like, I I'll, I could honestly say that Butler was probably the better team that year and deserved to go to the NCAA tournament, and so it, it you know it, the the best team isn't always going to win the regular season, and giving the having the conference tournament i think it makes it more exciting it's part of the march madness feel as well as the actual tournament too so uh, yeah i don't know i think i think it's good how it is yeah okay yeah i was just you know thinking about that because i know for a while the ivy league had it where the winner of the conference just advanced they didn't have a tournament for a while and now i think they have a four-team tournament yeah i yeah i did see that actually yeah and that, that's always the way they've done it, I guess, too. So that's kind of, yeah, interesting that only one conference does it that way, though. So that's, yeah, that's a whole different kind of thing, I guess. But I don't know. I like, I like that they switched to a tournament to at least a four-team one. I think, yeah, it gives a team that, you know, maybe came on later in the season to you know, a chance to sneak in there. It's more, more exciting. Yeah, exactly. And you guys end up playing in the NIT, which had to be pretty exciting for a mid-major. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, that was uh, got to play Northwestern in first round of the NIT. So, um, yeah, I, ended up, I was actually dealing with an ankle injury in that game, too. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I remember most. from I played that game with a lot of tape on my ankle, almost like a pass worth of tape. But, uh, Ouch. Um, yeah, actually had a good game though. Shot the ball well, and um, yeah, it was. I mean, that was a fun experience at NIT, even though 
Yeah, it's not the NCAA is obviously getting to play anytime after, you know, your regular season and your conference tournament is over. Any postseason play is, you know, an added bonus and a and a definitely like something that I'll remember forever. Oh, absolutely. I'm the big proponent of, you know, continuing your season as long as you can. I hate when teams turn down the NIT because, I don't know, they feel like their program's too good for it. I, I hate that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we actually, our team got that speech because, as you know, as 19-year-old kids, some of the guys on our team were, uh, you know, grumbling about, I think we played in the CBI one year, and I think some of the guys were grumbling about, you know, having to play in that, like, spring break was going to come up if we didn't if we won one of the games, we might've missed our spring break or something like that. And I remember the coaches getting wind of it and just chewing us out about, you know, just appreciating the opportunity to keep playing and, and things like that. And it, it really is true. Like, you know, it's, it's an honor to keep playing. And I, I, I agree. I, I don't understand when the team would turn down an opportunity to, you know, continue their season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't get it either. Your senior year, 2012, you led Milwaukee in scoring, which is really important because we're going to talk about it soon. You end up playing professionally, so that year, definitely, the stats you had impressed them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. Um, even though I didn't end up going, playing professionally straight from my basketball career, but... Um, <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of... I, I've heard this from some agents. I don't know if it's, I totally believe in it. Cause I think you can work and, and make a difference, but there's like a certain minimum amount of points at a certain level that, you know, teams overseas are kind of like looking for. So to have that stat line my senior year and just have those numbers, you know, more attention grabbing for those, those teams overseas that don't get a chance to see you besides on tape and things like that. So um, yeah, it was important that I had that, that year, I would say, um, statistically to kind of prove to teams that, you know, I belong playing at a, at a higher level. Yeah, you definitely proved that. Finish your career with an, over a thousand points, grabbed almost 500 rebounds and hit almost 200 threes. So really impressive career. Um, thank you. I didn't know. That's yeah wow um your dad probably didn't let you look at the stats so you didn't know yeah exactly <laughs> that's what i'm saying like I, I i don't know it's weird i don't want to like be like over yeah weird about it but yeah i don't i don't even like i didn't know those stats even until you just kind of said <laughs> that probably so i definitely knew the thousand points because that was a memorable game for me and they made a big deal about it so that was cool but yeah but, i mean it's yeah a good reminder that yeah it was, a, it was a great great career and yeah wonderful four years one that i wouldn't replace for for anything for sure nice now steph let's get into your career at milwaukee because you have an impressive career as well first off you're a four-year captain which is insane to me like how are you named captain as a freshman insane <laughs> yeah it was okay it's a yeah it was given a nice opportunity that year but just to put it in a little bit of perspective, like, again, a reminder, backstory, my parents were coaches, coached me my whole life. I feel like coaching is as much in my blood as playing. And I've always been described as like a coach on the court. That's how every coach I've ever had has described me, how my teammates have described me. 
Um, so that like leadership role has always come very natural to me. I, I, I honestly think I've been a captain on like every team I've ever been on. And it's not even just like, um, you know, on the court or, or my performance, but I'm also just like, I'm that a type personality that a lot of people don't like to, or I'm just like very, <laughs> I'm very organized. I'm this one sending out, you know, the text messages to the team to make the group messages, make sure everybody knows when practices, where we got to be, what time, like the mama bear to the whole team. Um, that's, that's just my personality, honestly. And that's come very natural to me. And it doesn't, I've also been, never been one to like look at age or feel like, because I'm a freshman that I'm not allowed to do that. Like that I should let a senior do that. Like if I, if no one is texting the team saying what time practices, like, I don't care that I'm a freshman, I'm going to do that and make sure everyone knows. Cause if one person's late and we all have to run for it, I'm going to be mad. So yeah. That that came natural to me, but they also had a situation where we also my freshman year we only had two seniors on the team, both great great players. They played a lot for us and and did a lot for us, but also just personality wise they were quiet. They didn't want that role or responsibility. So I just I very vividly remember the practice where my coach kind of went off on us and she went off on the seniors and was like, you know, there's no leadership on this team. Like raise your hand right now if you want to be the captain of this team. And I raised my hand. So like, because I wanted it, it was me and one of the seniors are the only people that raised our hands. And so she, the coach was like, I want someone who wants to leave, wants to lead this team. So that's how I like, I guess, got my foot in the door as a freshman to be a captain. And then it stuck ever since then. And I took that job and that role with the, my team all four years very seriously. Yeah. I love that. The guts as a freshman to raise your hand. That's awesome. Well, thanks. I guess, again, I, I, I knew it wasn't going to be as much on the court a thing, but I knew I could handle everything else about off the court and in the locker room and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Was that tricky, though? Like, I know, you know, obviously the other kids didn't raise their hand, but did you ever feel like some of the old, your older classmates, teammates didn't really like listening to the new kid? Yeah, in a way, I think part of me was always a little bit worried about that. But I also had great teammates most of the four years. And and I think they understood. It wasn't like I never, I don't think I ever portrayed the thought that like I was trying to take anyone's spots. And like I said, it wasn't really about anything on the court. I didn't play my freshman year like at all. So, and I knew all the older girls they weren't afraid of me. <laughs> like they weren't, it wasn't coming for their playing time. It wasn't anything like that. It was just, I basically took care of like, I was the, always the middleman between the coach. So like when everyone was in the locker room, like mad at what coach was saying, I was just kind of like the middle voice saying like, Hey guys, this is what she meant. Like, don't take it personally. Let's focus on this and kind of like re reshaping everyone's mindset. It wasn't anything. Most girls were just focused on what they were doing on the court. And I don't think anyone was worried about me or threatened by me with that. Okay. You mentioned not really playing much freshman year. You played in 11 games. That's gotta be difficult, right? Going from this high school star to, you know, not really seeing the court as a freshman, which, I mean, a lot of freshmen don't do. What Tony did is not the norm. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was a very difficult year. I think, yeah, mentally, that is a hard year. And I think, like you said, most freshmen don't get playing time, but it, I still think it should be something that's talked about more to freshmen and, and that they need to be more prepared for that because it is a huge mental adjustment that I don't think most um, you know, 18 year old kids are prepared to handle. 
or prepared for. It was, yeah, there were a lot of low points that year. And my, I remember my roommate, my roommate and I, um, we, she was also from the sub- Milwaukee suburbs also. So we played against each other. We were in the same conference in high school and we ended up being roommates together at Milwaukee. And she was in the same boat as me where we just like, weren't getting minutes. We were struggling and it was a lot of like <laughs> crying, crying and, and frustrating nights in our dorm room that year for sure. Yeah, no, it, it is, it is tough, but obviously you stick it out, you know, did, was transferring an option for you? Did you consider it? You know what? I think the like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, uh, um, optimist in me was like thinking, yeah, I was looking into options, but I also, I think the realist in me knew I wasn't going anywhere. Like I, again, in Milwaukee was still like a dream location. I still loved my coach at the time. And like, um, you know, my family was nearby. So I remember looking into other programs, but I also could like, it wasn't, it was totally in my control. It wasn't like I was going to become a better basketball player. If I went to a different school, I still Mm -hmm. wanted to play division one. I still wanted my scholarship. I didn't want to like put that on my parents or anything to go like down a level where I would have to pay for any of the schooling. I was very, very privileged and very fortunate in that and having my scholarship. And that was important to me. So I remember looking at schools and looking at rosters and seeing if anyone had an opening for my position, but I, I don't think I ever really considered going anywhere. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sounds like you enjoyed your time there, your four-year captain, even though you didn't play as much as you would have liked, you know, still a great experience. A hundred percent. Yeah. I wouldn't, wouldn't have changed it for the thing, for anything. Like it, it, it was a, like Tony said about his high school, it was a learning experience for me for, for, for bigger things in life. Like I said, mm-hmm. I, I look at it as I peaked in high school, I, I didn't realize, not didn't realize, but it didn't, um, click how hard I would have to keep working to maintain the level I was at as a senior in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. and I I was not saying I didn't work hard in college. They just, those girl, my teammates were better than me. They were faster than me, stronger than me. Like I don't blame my coach at all for not playing me. I did everything I could, but I also just had limitations. I wasn't as athletic or anything like that. So I could shoot and I could pass, but that can only take you so far once you get to that division one level. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I understand that. And you you do play more. I mean, sophomore year, 2009 played in 23 games. This is kind of an interesting year because it's a losing season for Milwaukee. I think you guys go 15 and 18, but you get hot late in the year and make it all the way to the title game of the horizon league tournament. That must've been quite the run great month. I will say like going back to what you're talking about with the NCAA tournament and conference tournaments, like I was going to chime in a little bit here, but like, that's why I'm a huge proponent of the conference tournaments because especially in March, March madness, like it is so much about timing and who's hot at that time and when things click and Oh my God, that month for us was just awesome. Cause yeah, it was a long season. We had some very, very low points in the season, lost a bunch of games. We should not have, we had the best player I've ever played with as teammate of mine, Tracy Edwards was her name. I mean, I think she still holds like every record at Milwaukee too, but I mean, there was no reason we should have been losing the games we were losing with her on our team, but then things just started clicking, uh, when it needed to. And yeah, playing in the, in the championship game was probably the highlight um, of my career as well. But of course we run into green Bay. Like you had mentioned, mm. I don't take, I didn't have to, don't have any like bitter feelings towards them. Cause they were just freaking good. That, that program was like a well-oiled machine at that time. 
every girl, I always talk, we always commented like their whole program were just like replicas of each other. Like every girl was the same height, same build. They could all do the same things. It was just like, it was, it was a machine in all honesty. But, um, so, so good to them for all their championships, but it was cool for us for making it there. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's the number seven seed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we weren't set up for like an easy road to get there, but that's why the whole whole month or that whole like end of that season and that tournament was so memorable and so fun because everything just started clicking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every- yeah absolutely. It's an upset too. Yeah, yeah. We are, when you're the underdog, it's a lot more fun to play like that. Yeah, you, you were not wearing those white jerseys in the tournament. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's got to be a bit of a rivalry between Green Bay and Milwaukee, right? Because it's not too far away from each other, the squirrels. That's the other, that's yeah. the other thing that was, like, you know, added on top of the fact that they were so good is, like, in the, the way Horizon League's play is set up, was set up when we did it, at least, was, like, you had your, your travel team. So, like, it was always when everyone would – come for a Thursday, Saturday game, they would come to like Milwaukee on Thursday and play Green Bay on Saturday and vice versa. When we would go, let's say we play Valpo and Butler. If we were playing Valpo Thursday night, Green Bay was playing Butler Thursday night and then we would flip flop. So like there was definitely a rivalry just because they were the only other in-state team in the conference. And it was just so annoying because we knew every team coming to play us was only worried about like what they were going to do against Green Bay. (laughs) It was, yeah, there was definitely a rivalry there. That means you could sneak up on those teams, though, if they're, you know, focused on the next game. Sure, we did get get them because of that. You're right. I had a Green Bay player on a couple months ago, Adrian Ritchie. Did you guys play at the same time? I think she's a little bit younger. Yeah, no, we did. Um, I actually, did I play her sister? No, I played Adrian. I played Adrian. She has a younger sister too, but my, my brother, it's funny that you mentioned that. My, I think pretty sure Adrian and my brother are like best friends. They both live out in Denver. I haven't seen or talked to Adrian since college, but I know Derek and her are still friends. So. Okay. How do you let that happen? <laughs> not I can't, kidding. Not hateful off the court. I mean, I hear, she, <laughs> I hear she's a great person just cause she wears the awful colors of green, but yeah, <laughs> it's fine. She's a YouTube star now. Is she? Oh my god! Wait, you didn't know? You didn't know? Go to YouTube, type in Adrian Ritchie. She's got like so many subscribers. It doesn't surprise me. That's awesome. <laughs> Your junior year, 2011. You actually have to miss the first few games with a broken hand. How, was it? Was it an incident in practice? Yeah, it was in a um, inner squad scrimmage, like the. Uh, was it the black and white game or was it right before like we played like right before we played an inner squad scrimmage like the week of our first game was coming up um and yeah I was just it was uh trying to pass between a double team and like the ball got deflected like right back into my hand and I just yeah it almost felt like a jammed finger you know but my whole hand went numb and then I tried to dribble after that and I couldn't do it and it didn't swell up at all and that's the first thing my trainer looked at it there was no swelling and you know normally a jammed finger like turns like a balloon right away so she's like mm-hmm. yeah it's broken um <sighs> so yeah I think I've missed the first like six weeks of that season with a cast on it so ouch well you come back in December but the first came back you hit a couple threes so clearly your hand healed pretty well yes I remember that game I was Oh my God, was I gassed. I was so out of shape, which is so bad because I broke my hand. I had no reason not to be in shape. I could have kept playing. <laughs> but like, it wasn't, it's not game speed. It's not the same. So I wasn't, you know, playing in games. Um, and we were, we were playing at Dayton and 
the rest, the starters, I, I guess, didn't start off so hot and coach was mad. So she like benched everybody and put the bottom five people on the bench in the game. And just to like prove a point and left us in for like, I swear to God, it was the whole second half. It was 20 straight minutes. I didn't come out of the game and I had never played that many consecutive minutes. And it was my first game back after the injury. So yeah, I guess if you give me that many minutes, I can knock down a couple shots, but yeah, absolutely. You got a couple starts that year. I think they were the first in your career. Yeah. Yeah. Junior year was the first year I started some games. And I think like we had talked about, it was just took some time to learn, like the learning curve of being a veteran at that point, being an upperclassman. Um, And I was always the, just the calm on the floor for my teammates. We had some younger players that were really talented, but just needed a little bit of calm. So I think that's where I came in that year and took on that role um, to start off, you know, some this tip from tip gets a little crazy from tip off on. So I think that's my, I remember my coach having a conversation with me about that, that that's why she wanted me in the starting lineup at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I like that. Now your senior year, you play in 24 games. One of the most exciting them has to be the one against Valpo on senior day. Sure. You remember that one? Yeah. Yep. We had five seniors. So that was awesome. It was perfect. All five of us started, um, it was also during the Think Pink mo- month, so we were in our pink, jer- pink jerseys. Um, and yeah, I mean, any time, any senior night, any senior will say a senior night is always probably one of the most memorable games. Um, and, and our game just happened to be like a buzzer beater. I think Lauer hit a. It was either a buzzer beater or she hit a shot with under a minute left or something like that it was down to the wire um but all of it just lined up perfect that day and if everyone's family's there and everything like that it was a fun day yeah what a way to go out on your home court I know I know it was yeah and I think we knew at that point that we weren't even like gonna make our conference tournament or something like we knew it was our last home game I don't think we knew we we knew we weren't gonna be playing at home so that was also um pretty cool very cool yeah and you finish your career being the first and I assuming at at this point, the only four-time captain in program history. So again, such an impressive career. Thank you. Thank you very much. Of course. Now, after you both graduate, you do some pretty interesting things. (laughs) Tony, you alluded to it. You don't go out and play professional basketball right away. You actually take your fifth year to play college volleyball. Explain this, please. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was the spring of just about to graduate from Milwaukee and um, starting to – I knew I wanted to try to play basketball, so I went and got an agent. Um, One of my assistant coaches had a a friend that was was doing it, so that was easy for me to do. And he started trying to get my name out there and shopped me around to European teams. But at that time, too, I was, you know, I was thinking of – what other options? What if basketball doesn't work out? What if I don't get any offers? All this stuff. And started, uh, it was actually because at the time, I think some college football players had been doing it. Russell Wilson went and played at Wisconsin for his fifth year after playing four years at NC State. I didn't even know that was a thing in college until that stuff started happening. And so I knew that I had that fifth year option to go play another sport and having, uh, you know, had a successful volleyball career in high school. I thought maybe I would had enough uh, of of the background and my high school. If my 
high school performance in volleyball still held up, maybe I could reach out to some schools and see what the interest is. So I reached out to every D1 volleyball program, um, and one of them, Quincy, in Quincy, Illinois, uh, they actually have a Division One volleyball pro- men's volleyball program, and uh, they got back to me, and they were able to actually offer me scholarship money to complete my uh, master's in business also. I got my undergrad from Milwaukee in finance and thought getting my MBA would, you know, help me out. And also as in the future going forward and and yeah i had the opportunity to play this fifth year in a in a different sport uh and still get money towards my education so uh i kind of i wasn't there weren't too many great offers coming in from europe um i i was really close to going to austria and giving up the the volleyball thing but i actually started that in the summer and even told my coach that, hey, I'm, I might be going to ba- play basketball still. I'll start school there, but um, there's an option that, you know, I might be leaving at any moment to go play basketball because I'm, I'm talking about that. And the coach at Quincy, he was a really cool guy. He understood and um, allowed me to come and gave me the opportunity to play if I wanted to. Uh, so I started there and came really close to going to Austria in the fall of that year and just skipping out on the Quincy experience altogether. Um, that ended up falling through at the last minute. So I stayed at Quincy. The men's volleyball season is actually in the spring. Um, so I was just playing fall and winter ball, um, with them, which is just basically like tune up games and like a kind of a tune up season, um, before the real season in the spring for men's volleyball. Um, I was playing well, I was, you know, slotted to be the starting setter, (laughs) um, on the team and, Ended up getting a call from a team in Australia for basketball in February. They were on a different season and uh, than than most of the European teams. Most European teams are usually from like September to May, and um, in Australia, one of the seasons there starts in February. So um, got a call then, right before the volleyball season was about to start, and mulled over the decision a lot. Um, felt really, really bad possibly bailing right before the season on volleyball because you know i know how much work i put in with this team I, I loved the coach that we had in the volleyball team and you know he had helped me out so much give me this opportunity but in the end of the day I, uh, I wanted to chase that basketball dream and it would always been a dream of mine too to live in australia so couldn't pass it up and uh yeah ended up leaving there still got my whole master's degree paid for um nice. thankfully um, but yeah, didn't end up actually playing the season of volleyball that counted, but, uh, yeah, played some volleyball and then hit the road for Australia. Wow. So Australia is your first stop in a long line of countries that you played in. How was that experience? You're obviously very far from home. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the, yeah, that's the biggest thing. And obviously being away from home, it's not as far, not a different country and stuff, but, uh, you know, being away from home in college, I, I kind of had that going. I could at least spend for myself and live on my own. Um, but then just the culture shock of, of, all, of it all, you know, being a young kid to just graduating college pretty much. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a different, you get to see different ways of life. And um, it's definitely an eye-opening experience. And you the biggest thing in my life that helped me grow as a person, I think, um, just going through all those experiences and 
like you said, being so far from home, just kind of having to fend for yourself, figure it out as you go. Um, and yeah, just kind of roll with the punches, especially in the basketball world. It's so unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. That first year in Australia, I left after two, two games cause I broke my foot. Um, Ouch. it's, yeah, things are so unpredictable. So you'll just learn to roll with the punches and, and, uh, yeah, try to enjoy it. I was going to ask how it was being so far away from each other as as a couple, but sounds like you weren't really in Australia for all that long. Yeah, not not that long at all. It was only about um, three months, and I was literally like about to like I had a plane ticket like saved online. I was about to go buy a plane ticket to go see him right when he broke his foot. So I guess I guess it's a good thing I didn't. I was like, hold like, up, wait, we'll see what's going on. Let me get the X-rays back, and then we'll see. And, yeah. yeah. Ended up going home. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we'll get back to your career. But Stephanie, after college, I feel like you make this natural step, right? You're for your captain. Then you get into coaching. You coach at Hillsdale College in Michigan, where actually your brother was playing at that time. Yes. Yes. I, I, I ended up going into coaching. Like you said, it just felt so natural. Um, I had my degree in, in journalism and the, like originally when I declared my major, I was like thinking I was going to be the next Aaron Andrews. I wanted to do like sideline reporting and I was, I just wanted to stay in sports. But then the more, you know, the more I think about it, you get to a senior, your senior year too. And all you know is like basketball life in terms of like being on the campus season calendar and every day is about practice and all this. Like it was so easy to just transition into that. And I was so used to it and I enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, I ended up actually, I mean, yes, my brother was there, but I got connected to the women's, the head women's coach because one, again, one of those bridesmaids, I mentioned one of my teammates, um, best friend of mine was also a player at Hillsdale the same year as I was in college. So she had just graduated also and basically told me that they yeah, that one of their assistants coaches was leaving or the only assistant coach division two didn't have that much, that many staff members, but yeah, their assistant coach was leaving. So she connected me to her former coach who, and um, I ended up driving out there to Hillsdale to visit my brother and meet with the head coach and having coffee with her. And it, it was a great conversation. It felt so right. And the fact that my brother was there was just obviously icing on the cake. It was, um, an easy yes. And yeah, I was off and moving to Hillsdale, Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Now you spend one year there. How was the Hillsdale team? Um, we were pretty good. I I would say we were, I don't even remember, honestly, this is so bad because it was only one year versus me as a player. I remember way more as a player than that year of coaching, but, um, we made it to, I think the final four of the, of our tournament that year, we maybe lost in the semis. Um, but it was an awesome year. I was so grateful to that head coach and that those group of girls, um, they were so willing, not willing, I guess they didn't have a choice, but like they were open to, um, everything I was bringing to the table and open-minded to a new face on the team. Um, and yeah, it was a really, it was a really good year. Uh, I'm still in touch with most of those girls that I coached. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Now, can you see coaching in your future again now that you guys are back home in the States? Yeah, I think it's always been there in some way, shape or form. I've always assumed I have. I mean, even when we've been overseas, we've looked in every team we've been at with connected to Tony, 
um, I've looked into if they have either a women's program or a youth program in any way, shape, or form, because I would definitely enjoy it. I think it makes very, very much sense for me to be involved. Um, I don't know if I would ever do it again professionally, just because the lifestyle, like now that we have our own kids, I know how much the lifestyle takes you away from your family. And I know most of the assistant coaches and coaches I've had, both have had in our collegiate career, they've always said the hardest part either they are single and don't have a family because they're committed to that job or it's just the hardest part is they never get to see their family. So I don't know if I'd go into it professionally again, but all a hundred percent we've both said I can, I plan on coaching all my kids. They don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You yeah. didn't have it. Your parents didn't give you a choice and now you're not giving your kids a choice. Nice. Yeah. Love cool. it. Yep. <laughs> And I, I might be off by a couple of years as to when you were the coach at Hillsdale and when Derek officially came out as the first Division II basketball player. What was your reaction as his older sister when he decided to tell his story to the world? Because I'm sure you're a little bit scared for him, right? You're obviously the, the older one. You want to protect him. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah described it perfectly as his older sister and like the protective nature. I mean, even prior to him coming out, like everything about me was constantly feeling this need to protect him. And I think that that was a big reason why I even like took the job at Hillsdale and went to Hillsdale. And Eric and I both will still say to this day, it's like the, the, like God had a plan for that year because that year was the year Derek actually came out to um, myself and my family. He didn't come out publicly. The big story that came out of him as the like open, uh, openly gay division two athlete, that story didn't come out. I don't think till his senior year, but where he okay. told his coach and his teammates and stuff like that, it was his, it was his sophomore year was the year I was there coaching. And that's when he officially came out to myself and my family. And so for me to be there for him that year, like literally meant everything. Like I don't, I, the path I have gotten to in life right now is crazy, but it doesn't make sense that there's that one year where I was a coach and now I'm not anymore. But I truly believe the reason I was there that year was to be there for him during all that. Um, and yeah, the protective instincts were crazy high. Um, I'm, I, my initial reaction when he told me was just like, almost relief. Cause you know, you knew as his big sister and his best friend, like I knew something was wrong and bothering him and he was, um, going through some stuff. But the fact that he actually like told me and there was like, okay, now we can f move on and figure this out and make a plan of how you want to go on with your life and all this kind of stuff. Um, it, it was relief. And then the protective side of like, okay, now how, now what do you want to do and all that? So, but I'm glad I was there for that. Yeah, wow, that is awesome to think about. You only coach one year, at least so far. And that's a year that you were probably most needed as a sister. You were more needed as a sister that year than a coach. A hundred percent, yes. Yeah, we were, in the moment, you don't like see it that way. But now looking back at it, yeah, both Derek and I have said a hundred times. My parents too, that like it just, it was, it, I'm so glad, I'm so thankful and so glad I was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I, you know, Derek was probably facing a hard time that year, his sophomore year of college, whatever year that was. But, you know, now 2021, he's engaged to be married. I think he technically would have been married already if not for the pandemic, but he's got a house, he's got a dog. Yeah, supposedly. You know, he's got a great life. 
he's had a great life. And we, I mean, I'm so, I can't even put into words how proud I am of him and proud to be his sister and so excited for his future with his fiance and everything. Yeah, they would be married if it weren't for COVID. That was supposed to be last August. Um, but yeah, it's all worked out. Everything is good now. Very happy for him. So now, Tony, back to you. Your next stop is in Portugal, which that has to be hard with the language barrier. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was one of the great things about Australia is I didn't have the language barrier, but then going over, uh, yeah. And that, that first year, too, I was on, you know, Portugal is a smaller country, not as big of a basketball country. Uh, so it's a small league. Not a lot of Americans play over there. So I was actually the only American on my team that year also. So um, wow. dealing with oh, that's hard. Barrier, barrier a lot, but I, I had a really great group of teammates. Even, like I said, they were all Portuguese guys, but uh, I, live, I actually lived with two of them um, that are still close friends to this day. I would, you know, still follow their careers and everything like that. And yeah, it just was, it turned out to be a great group of guys and really good coach that year too. One of my favorite coaches I had overseas. Um, that was just a tough, the tough thing about that year is just being away from uh, Stephanie, obviously. Uh, yeah. That was the first full year. We were like really that far apart and, and uh, everything like that. So Steph, at what point do you like officially join him overseas? Yeah, officially join him overseas wasn't until 2015. So Portugal, that was his first full year. 20, we went through about three years where like things were just like questionable. Like I don't know, it was it was uh, in every way, shape, or, like everything. Our location, our jobs, everything was up in the air. Um, she was still working. I was still working. So like even when I left Hillsdale, I left Hillsdale. I left coaching. I. I basically hit this point where I was like, I need to figure out what life outside of basketball looks like. And I wasn't happy, like in the city of Hillsdale, it was really hard for me adjustment going from living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin to living in Hillsdale, Michigan, all of these things combined. Plus, I mean, I'll be honest, Tony was graduating. So a huge part of me was like drawn to just go where he was going and try to make our lives connect and work better and everything like that. And so um, I was looking for a career myself at the time and, um, yeah, I was letting him focus or he, he was, you know, Australia, then Portugal, he was trying to make the basketball thing work, but I was not going to pick up and go over there, um, without everything else lined up. And he wasn't, I mean, he was, like I said, he was living with, like he said, he was living with two teammates. There was nowhere for me to live with him. Yeah. There was not an option for me to go there. Yeah. I went, I did get to go to Portugal twice and visit, which was awesome. But, yes. um, I, the first three years of his career, so Portugal, oh no, first two, two yeah. first two full season, full Port season, Portugal, and then Poland, those two years, he was over there by himself and I was here. So we did this actually the first three years of our engagement and first two years, we were engaged three years, sorry, three years total. Mm -hmm. First two years of the engagement, we did long distance. I was, we weren't together during yeah. that. I just did visits back and forth. Okay. Yeah. That's gotta be tough. Yeah. yeah, we got engaged right after I left Australia before I went to Portugal. Yeah, it was tough. But yeah, I went, it was 2015, right before our wedding. So our last year of engagement that I finally like stopped all um, attempts at having a career in the States and just was a full-time basketball wife at that point. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah. Now, wait, quick. I love a good proposal story. Tony, how did you ask? Oh, my God. Um, not, nothing, too, nothing too exciting. Um, I was a nervous wreck, though. She was actually working in 
for a company in Chicago at the time. And I, we were living in Milwaukee with her, her parents. And uh, I took the train down one afternoon after she got off work on a Friday, took her to dinner, um, and yeah, I proposed to the table. Like right when we sat down, I couldn't have sat through the whole meal. I, I was, <laughs> I, I wore a suit jacket, which she should have known something was up. I never wear like a blazer. Like <laughs> just like decided to put that on. And um, yeah, but I think it, like I've always said, part of it why I decided to do it was just being in Australia, even just for those three months and away from her for that whole time, like just kind of made me realize I didn't want to be, didn't want to be without her, obviously. So. Aw, that's very cute. <laughs> it was, he, he did it well. Yeah, he did it really well. <laughs> it was just timing for us. It wasn't necessarily the proposal yeah. itself was a big deal. It was just like the timing. Like you said, he was right after he had got back from Australia, right before he was going to Portugal and the whole, the whole spiel he gave me well, was I think basically. we kind of both needed to know where we were at before I was going into this crazy career of yes. bouncing around countries. It was, it was like more the form of commitment. Like, okay, we don't know where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing, what life is going to bring, but we're going to do it together. So <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. So then, Steph, when you officially join him, is that the stop in Greece? Because if so, that's so smart of you. I know, right? I, 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 I definitely right. had it that's all planned. Sure. No, um, not planned at all, but oh my God, am I happy it worked out that way. Yes, it was his first season in Greece. He ended up playing three total in Greece, and I got to live with him in all of them. And um, Jealous. Yes, it was. Oh my God, our, our connection to that country now is yes. amazing. Um so yeah, got to live in Greece for the 2015-16 season. Um, and then we got married right after that one was our wedding. So nice, nice. You get married in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Nice. Well, all right. Yeah, like, oh, sorry, go ahead, Tony. Oh, he's yeah, he forgot where it was. Yeah, Lake Geneva. <laughs> yeah, that was in Wisconsin. I'm sure he wasn't doing most of the planning, right? Steph, that was up to you. As it should be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now you guys travel quite a bit over the years as a married couple i mean tell me about some of the places you were and cool experiences you had oh my god i don't even know why i gotta think of some good ones but yeah just traveling in general has been kind of our thing over the last decade like since committing to this life overseas and i'm so we're both so appreciative mm -hmm. of it and grateful of it and the way it's like opened our eyes and our minds to all the different ways of life has been something I never thought going into this was going to be like our biggest reward out of the whole thing. Yeah. It's completely changed our viewpoint on so many things. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Um, but I guess, I guess three years we lived in Greece, one year we lived in Czech Republic and one year we lived in Poland. So those were the years we were together, yeah. but I, we visited everywhere else too. What were some of your highlights? What would you say? I mean, well, visit basketball is a whole different thing. I travel a lot of cool Oh yeah, places he's been 10 times more places than me. Just, yeah, playing in all the different, especially the years that I played in the league, the European leagues. Um, international. International yeah. leagues where we traveled to other countries to play and stuff like that. I got to see a lot of cool places. But I mean, those years in Greece, we 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 did a lot of traveling when we could, um, with breaks in the season and stuff like that. I remember Stephanie was, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I guess, but still an amazing trip. Was sick with like morning sickness from her pregnancy when we traveled to Santorini for a for a weekend. Um, 
her parents were actually visiting too yeah. um, at that point. And, it was more of the small town, like Santorini is definitely a tourist location, but like yeah. it was more of the small town places that we just stumbled upon or we were told by locals, like you got to check this place out. We're also kind of like foodies. So like, we always would try to find the good restaurants everywhere we went um, and like local stuff. Like Athens was awesome, but I, I, to be honest, I wouldn't like want to go to the major cities again. Prague, I did love. Prague, Prague was, was amazing. A, Prague was one of the, Prague was one of the like, favorite cities. I would describe that as like a melting pot. Like you didn't necessarily know you were in the Czech Republic. There were so many different cultures and like diversity there and different kind of restaurants and art and all that kind of stuff. Prague was, Prague was very cool. Um, but yeah, the small towns that were like, you know, an hour outside, even the towns we lived in, most of the basketball teams overseas, like, their their teams are not in the main cities that you were to yeah. fly into. So like the city we Except lived the in, teams, the yeah. cities we lived in were not the big tourist ones. And so we would get to know our local areas. Like I said, we love going out to eat. So like we would find our favorite restaurants and we knew most of the owners of the restaurants. And Obviously like, standing out being Americans living in this small town and uh, right. you know, <laughs> walk in like, and ask for English menus and <laughs> yeah. all that kind of stuff. They it know was, like the second week we're there, like, okay, these guys are going to be around a lot and speaking a lot of English. So <laughs> <laughs> they're ready for it. That's amazing. You guys had a lot of great experiences that you'll look back on and just like always remember great memories. Oh my God. So many. We still, I mean, it's been a really hard transition. We've been back in America almost a year now since we flew back last season, last year. year. And we have a lot of, yeah, we're missing out. We are missing it. We are um, looking constantly like, where were we a year ago today? Where were we years ago today? And all of that stuff. Um, So many memories like that, that decade of our life. I mean, it was nine basketball seasons for Tony. I was with him for five of them. That whole part of our life were so fortunate to have and the memories i hope last for like i hope yeah. we don't ever forget any of it but <laughs> yeah <laughs> and stephanie you actually played a bit of basketball on one of your stops in europe is that is that right i did yeah, yeah. <laughs> were you a captain what's that were you a captain? I was like a captain. The oh my yeah, god! I would say so, basically. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I don't was know if not the officially captain. designated anyone. No, we that. had like it was it was an awesome year. I wasn't the captain there, but that was so fun. We had like a it was a mix of like literally like twenty one year old girls, and then like we had a couple like moms on the team too. Like it was <laughs> it was not like a very it was we weren't paid or anything, but it was like second division second division women's league in Czech Republic, and I we had so much fun. And those girls are still some of my great friends. They visited me in Poland last year. Um, It was, yeah, awesome. I'm very grateful for that year too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You probably thought your basketball career was done after Milwaukee, but look at that. You had a year overseas. Had her parents mail her some basketball. (laughs) Yeah. We got there and she found out that this was possibly going to be an opportunity. It was fun. It worked out though. It was cool. Yeah. Wow. And a heart, you know, you've mentioned all the great things about being overseas, but something that had to be so hard was you guys have two young children when you're over there. And it's literally just you guys. I'm sure your parents came when they could, but, you know, it's a tough trip to to make very often. So that had to be kind of hard, just the four of you. 100% the hardest part is the distance from your family and friends and the homesickness and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we're lucky we have each other in all of that. Like Tony's had some teammates just over there by themselves and he's done it a couple of years by himself. And it's, it's like torture sometimes, but, um, 
Yeah, with the kids, I mean, we're we're lucky in that the first three years we did it together. We didn't have the kids. I what we we were just over there, the two of us, and that's when we did the most traveling by far. And then um, the last two seasons over there, yeah, we've been parents. So my my daughter was born in Greece in 2018. So the 1819 season we had her, and then the 1920 season right before COVID ended that season early. Um, I was pregnant that whole season with our son who was born in Poland last year, literally like as the pandemic was starting. Uh, oh, that's scary. Yeah. It was <laughs> a big a reason very... why we're in America right now and not overseas anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the looking, looking back, you probably would have been better overseas, honestly. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. No, we're not. <laughs> the, yeah. For the birth itself. Yeah. It's different. But, but like our parents were like you said, our parents, both sets of parents were scheduled to be there to help us watch our daughter while I gave birth to our son. And like those trips were canceled. And then on top of that, um, Tony wasn't even allowed in the hospital, like because of their COVID rules. So, like, I oh my gosh, there by myself, and um, he wasn't allowed and to once be there. Again, we were in a smaller town, so it wasn't like they were speaking English all that well in the hospitals and things like that either. So, oh gosh, but, that is yeah. very scary. Yeah, def- yeah, things definitely changed. Our perspective and our mindset on everything changed once we became parents it definitely became harder and even the year we just had our daughter like we tried to get out and do stuff a lot but it was more like our big off day event was like a walk to the coffee shop it wasn't like we used to jump in the car and drive two hours to the closest city just to like check it out we didn't do stuff like that anymore once my daughter was born um Mm -hmm. but it's we still tried to and yeah and it was, it was we had, it brought us closer too, together yeah, for sure as a family to be over there alone with just us and the kids like our you know our parent child relationship our husband wife relationship everything was forced to get closer together but then you obviously do still miss what you what we grew up with here with you know having grandparents around and being able to go see friends on the weekends and that kind of stuff um it gets mm-hmm. to you sometimes yeah so tony you know all that being said Sounds like your retirement decision was more based on family than your ability to play basketball. Oh, I I would say that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, basketball-wise, we talked about it as part of why it was such a hard decision was because my last season I felt like was the best season of my career to this point. Like, um, so, yeah, no, I definitely felt like I could still play, but just um, especially with COVID and everything, like, it it had already become more difficult and more trying with the kids like you, like we had just talked about. Um, but then adding the COVID, uh, stuff on top of that, especially this year, like we knew, like it just, it just wasn't going to be the right situation for us. Our, our son was still so young. Um, there were so many question marks as if they would even have been able to come with me. And I don't know if I could have missed, uh, you know, gone over by myself and missed the, basically the first year of my son's life, like things like that. Yeah. So it just, yeah, became clear that, and we're, we're, we're lucky enough to have, like, like I said, I'm working for my dad now where we're, I was lucky enough to have options, you know, for, for work and things like that here in the States. Um, you know, it's not like we were handcuffed to, to playing basketball. It was, um, something that, you know, we were doing because we loved it, but it just with everything going on in our life, it just you know it was the right time to step away. 
Yeah, yeah, no, definitely seems like it. You guys bought a house in Missouri, so exciting times ahead. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> now, are the kids playing basketball yet? Do they have that Fisher Price basketball hoop? They definitely For do. For sure, we've had two of them. We bought one overseas we bought last one in year, <laughs> and we left it there. And then we got another one when we bought the house here. Yeah, they they play. Our son's first word. He turns one next week, and his first word already is ball. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I think that was my first word, actually. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not not to give him that much credit. It's a pretty easy one. But <laughs> oh, that's funny, and I'm sure the grandparents are very happy that you guys are stateside again. Definitely, the yeah. happiest people in the world. Yes. They were so nervous, and we were still considering going overseas again last summer. You know, when before we had decided to retire. Yeah, yeah, they they are happy. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine their nerves when you guys were having your son in that situation. Gosh, being even farther away, you know, Tony couldn't go in the hospital, but they're, you know, wow. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I asked my mom about that now. She's like, I can't even talk about it. It's just, <laughs> aw. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can totally understand that. I think my mom would have the same reaction. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, you guys, I have loved our conversation. I like to end the podcast with a couple fun questions. How does that sound? That sounds great. All right. Now, when the kids are in bed, what TV show are you guys currently watching? <laughs> currently, we, we watch a couple that Top are like... Top Chef started. We haven't watched the first yeah, season. Yeah, current. Yet. You know, we have Top Chef just started. We watched, well, I make him watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette <laughs> and all that. Um, and this is, this is us where we're kind of softies for this is us, but then we also try to binge watch some of the Netflix ones and stuff like that. We just purposely have not started any because we know we do not have time for TV anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It gets tougher. We're like, okay, time to go to sleep. Too tired, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the next question I had, I at least know your answer for football. I was going to ask what professional sports teams do you root for? Obviously, Steph, you have the Packers. Yes. Tony, you kind of have the Chiefs. Yeah. What else? Yeah, I got Um Well, Cardinals. You're- yeah, I'm definitely a big Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals and Blues um, for hockey and baseball, 100%. Um, big, I love that St. Louis is such a baseball town. Like, uh, Cardinals fans are amazing and just whole experience in the summers here is great. Yeah. Um, and then basketball, I've always, I've NBA team I've always rooted for has been the Spurs. Um, ever since, yeah, I started watching basketball and Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Yeah. We didn't have a team in St. Louis and my dad liked Spurs too. And so we watched I, them every once in a while. And that's my family. Yeah. We had, we had season tickets to the Milwaukee Bucks games growing up. So I've always been a Bucks fan. And then with now with Giannis Antetokounmpo there and us living in Greece, he's literally like God in that country. So yeah, great uh, connection. So we're still, we watch I a lot of Bucks. To see the Bucks we watch a lot of Bucks games yeah. now too. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I like the Bucks. Yeah. There you go. All right, last question. Where did you guys go on your honeymoon? I mean, you had all these places that you were in Europe. I feel like a honeymoon yeah, is probably not that exciting for you. This is like literally an embarrassing. So many yeah. people give us so yeah. much crap for this. We we're are talking about how cultured we are living in Europe. But we are huge Disney nerds, and we went to Disney World. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, I have a few of those friends. Yeah, we are, we are those yeah. people. Yeah. She hooked me in. I, I was always like a fan, but never like a crazy fan. <laughs> but 
she roped me in from day one with the Disney stuff, and I'm a sucker for it. I mean, yeah, we had just lived in Greece the year before. I went to Czech Republic the year after, so I was just like, yeah, we're staying here. (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. My oldest brother is actually, he bought a house in Orlando and is, like, turning it into an Airbnb, but everyone in the family is like, all right, well, we're clearly taking a family vacation there at some point. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. He's got those weeks, yep. (laughs) That'll be fun, yeah. And I don't have kids yet, so I can just like enjoy the time at at Epcot, right? That's where all the drinks are. Yeah, exactly. Drink the world. It's love. Yeah. It's, Let it's us know when you go. Me. I'll give you an itinerary. <laughs> oh, that sounds <laughs> great. Tea for you. <laughs> love it. All right, Steph, Tony, thank you so much for taking time, not only out of your night, but out of your free time with the kids in bed. I know we kind of ran late, but I loved my conversation with you guys. Truly a great love and basketball story. Well, thank you so much for having us. We were just saying before it started how we're kind of excited to tell the story and revisit all the points of it because with life these days, it tends to be a blur and tends to get forgotten. So thank you for having (laughs) us and letting us share. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Stephanie and Tony Meyer. Hope you enjoyed it. What a lovely couple. Really appreciate them making time to come on the podcast. I mean, they've got two young kids. They don't have a lot of time to themselves. So really happy they gave me a few hours. Really interesting to hear about their separate careers at Milwaukee, how they met, and their adventures overseas during Tony's professional career. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.